Foul evil to the right hand. Puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. 911, where's your emergency? Someone overdosed? What's the address? I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Lebel, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. Hey Brady, Coach Cal, congrats on that to you. So keep getting the W today and every single day. You should be proud. What is going on? If you want it bad, welcome Hockey to Hell and Back, episode number 90. Today is February the 8th. This guy sitting in this chair today, two years clean.
One more. <laughs> Thank you. My name is Brady Liebold, coming at you guys live from Muskoka, Ontario, on a snowy day. But I'll tell you what, I feel amazing today. I've been feeling better every single day um, as of late. And I'll tell you, I feel very hopeful. I feel very hopeful. Not, not me, necessarily for me. I do feel hopeful. I just feel hopeful for the world, for people. And I'm just grateful to still be here. And uh, there's so much that I want to say. We're going to be joined by four-time Stanley Cup champ, my big brother from another mother, Darren McCarty, one of my idols. My dad's going to join. <laughs> I'm already going to cry. My dad's going to join the show later on man a few words but had to bring him on had to bring him on um never thought i would get here never thought i would get here honestly as i reflect back on the last two years of my life i'm simply in disbelief for so many reasons Right? I could sit here and I could talk for the next week, probably longer, about how just incredible my life has become and the amazing people and the, the things that have happened to me. And I just don't have enough time to go through all those stories. But last night, uh, I was surprised on video by a group of over 50 people, some of my family members some of my childhood friends and in fact in fact my very best friend from childhood connor didman was in the meeting and while we're on this topic okay i want to just chat with you guys a little bit about connor that's me and connor as kids there playing some big block jenga at porto cove in british columbia beautiful spot there we are there. Check me out in the double zero jersey. Connor was a year older than me and somebody that I looked up to tremendously. He had a significant impact on my childhood and my life moving forward. He was my brother and we experienced so much together. Uh, we got into a lot of trouble together. Connor was better than me at everything, including at hockey. Um, I had to push myself to keep up to him. And he taught me so much so much during high school connor went down a path of addiction early on uh, we got kind of disconnected but always stayed connected um but boy did he struggle boy did he struggle homelessness jail similar things to me but he was in it longer than i was and the fact that we're both still alive today is beyond words beyond words What's even cooler is that today, as I celebrate two years clean, my brother Connor takes his one year today as well, on the exact same day. Was not planned. Our life of addiction was not planned. Connor, I love you, buddy. Congratulations on one year. No idea how proud I am of you chatted with your parents 
we're all so proud, man. And I'm here for you. There he is in the bottom right with me doing our puck support poses. I got him some puck support gear. Simply incredible. I can't believe we have the same clean date. Congratulations, buddy. Congratulations. But last night, as Connor was in the meeting, as well as so many other people, unbelievable. I have to give a very special thank you to Cassandra and Troy Curry, the mother and father of the great Lando Snipes 17. They put together this meeting with the help of Susan Cook and brought together some of the most important people in my life today from the past. They all shared stories. It was a three and a half hour long online video chat. If you're watching or listening and you weren't there, I'm sorry. You know, some people was put together and maybe people weren't there. But I'll tell you, it was amazing. It was incredible. The Donaldson family was there. The Minor family was there. Special shout out to Lindsay Schmidt, Daniel Miner's sister. She brought me to tears last night with her heartfelt video message, which I know wasn't easy for her to get through. Your guys' support means so much. All of your guys' support means so much. My neighbors, Bob and Louise, were there from childhood. My dad was there. I can't list everybody that was there because I'll leave people out. I'll tell you, though, we do recover if we want. not easy so not easy but we do we can I want to dedicate this episode to anybody out there that is struggling right now this episode is for you because if I can get clean and I can get my life back. I believe anybody can. I'm very lucky to have the supports and the networks that I do around me. But when I started all this, wasn't much around. I think some of you guys know this story. As we wait for Darren McCarty to come in, it was so grateful for him to be here man oh wow but he's on a show right now we're waiting for him to come in but as we wait for dmac just want to share a story with you guys um if you haven't heard it about how this whole journey got started really how it really got started where i actually got a chance to live my life again and i was behind bars in November of 2019. I had an uphill battle. I had some severe charges that were in front of me. 
I could have been looking at five to seven years in jail. This was in November 2019. I served a sentence. DMAC is here, so I'm going to fast forward through this story a little bit. But, you know, like sitting in jail and I served a sentence. I did one year for a high speed chase. But I didn't have any, I wasn't getting out on bail. I was just staying in jail. So serve a sentence, stay in jail because you have other charges. And uh, during that time, I didn't really care, right? Like that was my life. Uh, there was no hope for me. There was nothing. Uh, I was quite happy in jail, actually, believe it or not. You know, after you spend a few years in there, it just feels like home. And I was actually looking for ways to get out and come back in for different reasons. That's where my mind was at. At one point, I, I didn't care to be in there. I thought I deserved to be in there forever. It was either that or death, get out and be a drug addict. At least in there, drugs were limited, right? Well, while I was in there, I met a girl, right? Taylor, as you guys know, Veda's mother. And um, the last two years have been really difficult for us as a couple for a number of reasons. Things haven't been great by any means. But at the end of the day, you know, we met and she decided like, hey, I see something in you. I want to get you out of jail. And I'm like, what? What? Like, you don't even know me. She came to see me a few times. I was like, you're not getting me out of jail. There's no way. There's no way. And as a few months went by, you know, we connected and she kept coming to visit me. And she's like, I need to get you out of here. Like, you got to get out of here. And she worked it out with my lawyer and she found someone to come bail me out of jail out here in Ontario. And I didn't really want to get out because it, it just felt like, hey, like, I'm not going to let you bail me out of jail. You barely know me and all this stuff. But, but she did. And if Taylor didn't do that, okay, I'm still in jail today. There's no question. There's absolutely no question. I would have still been in jail. My mind still would have been fluttered. I would have probably gotten out and overdosed and died. There's no question in my mind. And, you know, she gave me a chance. Like she got me out. Otherwise it was five to seven years for a significant amount of fentanyl and other stuff. Like it was no joke. Right. And since then, those charges that were outstanding have been thrown out. They've disappeared because I've been able to get my life back and I had to do the work. But at the end of the day, she doesn't get me out. I'm not here. So I want, I owe a, a significant amount of gratitude to Taylor Debit for springing me from the clink. Sounds crazy. It was crazy. We have a kid together now. But that's where it all started, right? So thank you to Taylor. There's many people I'm going to thank as this episode goes on, but we're going to hear from Regan Bartell and our friends over at Team Issue. And we'll be back with my big bro, four-time Stanley Cup champ, Darren McCarty. Can't wait for this one, guys. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. 
tinissue.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. What's going on, guys? Welcome back. Thank you to Regan Bartell, everyone there at Team Issued. Uh, super excited uh, to get DMAC back on the show. If you followed the show, he's been on the show more than anybody, him and my dad. So what better two guys to bring on my two years than the guys who have been on the show more than anybody, DMAC and my dad. My dad's going to join us later after a segment with DMAC. Uh, but there's a couple, before we bring him in, like there's a couple things that I want to address before I even bring him in is this. If you followed my story at all, and I say I'm two years clean, you know that there's been alternative medicines that have helped me get to this point, right? And for so long through my addiction, I tried everything, rehabs, detoxes, meetings, all of it. They all played a part into to get me to where I am today. There's no question. But I was a severe, severe drug addict, intravenous drug user for 12 years and continued to try and fail and do different things. Till it was suggested to me by some people that I look up to, athletes, DMAC being one of them, Riley Cote being another, saying, hey, maybe there's another solution that can help you move forward and maintain your sobriety. And I found that solution in plant medicine. And, you know, it's not something that I often talk about, but I want to talk to DMAC about different forms of recovery and what recovery is because me, myself, I don't want to tell anybody what they should do for their recovery. We can only speak on our own experiences, and that's all I ever do. I'm not going to encourage anybody to try to do my recovery or do this. Just share openly and honestly what works for me. For so long, people weren't doing that. People were like, there's one way to do it, and there's one way only. And guess what? I tried that one way, you know, and uh, continually fell on my face. So, DMAC was somebody that I looked up to. You can see my jersey over there, number 25. That's why I wore number 25. DMAC 25 were born in the same hospital. So was Joe Sackick. DMAC's got a joke about that. Um, but, you know, two years ago, we were able to connect and we've been become like, you know, he's been like my big brother. I can lean on him. And uh, it's just a real honor to be able to call him a friend. So without further ado, guys, let's do Let's bring him in four-time Stanley Cup champ. Now turned wrestler and so many other things that he's doing. It's incredible. My good buddy, Darren McCarty. What's up, B? Congratulations, bro. I'm as proud of you as your dad, as everybody else. And <clears throat> knowing your journey and whatever like that, being two years, I'm, I'm just over six years sobriety. And, you know, one of the things that you were mentioning is – and Alcoholics Anonymous and all the and NA and all this stuff, it's about the 12 steps and working your program. And I was always told, you got to work your program, you got to work your program. But there was always a miss. And I don't know if it's because it's a hockey mentality or whatever else. It's not how we got there. It's how we get out. Yes. This, and I, you haven't even seen these yet, dude. My new gummy line. So right there. And if you know me with anything else, listen, see this? This is yep. cannabis. This is weed. I just got done my other radio show. I'm decompressing because this is part of my program. But I've added the CBN, the CBD, which is the straight for your body, for your sleep. Also, too, look at this. These are the game days, THC, CBD, to allow, you know, the aches and pains over the years. And, you know, I even got the straight, uh, straight, uh, power plays, which are these are these are the high test. 
these are these are to get you out of those ways and obviously continue with with the flower and stuff yeah. like this but to your point i've struck and we know this because i struggle the same thing now now our story is different because you're an opiate addict and i'm an alcoholic but the thing is is still suffering and from whatever else but to be able to through through like you said uh riley cote was was somebody who is also to the brethren of the brotherhood and and former players that sometimes it just doesn't work. Now I tell everybody I live by the principles of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, except my program has a garden. And you're a great Brady. I couldn't be more proud of you because whether you are like me, where I take the absolute opposite approach because of who I am, I have four cups in my background. So people sort of have to listen to me in the <laughs> hockey world, no matter what. Yeah. But like you said, with the wrestling and stuff. So I'm the one who's going to slam it down your throat um, with, especially with the CBNs for sleep and the, and the CBDs and stuff like that and get you to where you want to go because I've been there. I know what it is. You mentioned all that other stuff. And the fact that two years in it, it's a constant, right? Things aren't, doesn't make things perfect, but it makes you dealing with it on your terms, right? Nice. I look at you and you look at the gratitude that you will always have. And to me, you know, you're talking a higher power to me, like God's got his hand on me always has been mm -hmm. right. All things that I've accomplished, <laughs> the holes that I've dug, gotten dug out of, you, you understand that. But the, but the thing is, is the gratitude and to every day do the work, look at where the work, like you to be able to see the real Brady Leovold, um, evolve as he evolves. Like, look at you, dude. You're out there skating, playing hockey, out there dangling, getting in scraps, doing your thing. But like, it's you being you. Like, no other reason than than and knowing you struggle and and having you reach out to me and use the tools to your disposal when you're having a tough time. Just you know, different things like I do. We're all in this together, and I think that the biggest point is is that we come from different places you know you and i it's a little bit different you know i mean joe sackick took all the talent we took all the heart out of out of burnaby <laughs> general um but the mission that we're on is the same one of compassion and to let people know that hey this is this what i did is not who i am the things i've done aren't who i want to be and let you nailed it you do the work I do my work. Some days it's survival. So the sacrifices that I've had to make and, and more, more so to what you were talking about is the people closest to you. Those are not either the relationships that have been severed or the ones that are the toughest that mean the most to the people and, and um, that have gotten you to the point that sometimes as long as you are self-aware to what's going on and it's all about communication and being honest that this is where i'm at this is what i feel i'm trying to get here don't have, we don't have the answers bro but what we do have is we have some sort of ability to let people know that they're not alone and it's okay and 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 what do i always say the destination's an oasis because you're a human being you'll want to get something then you'll want more let's use me for an example i always want to be an nhl player i always want to play for the red wings i always want to win a cup and i want to win another one and i want to win another one 
I want to, you get the point, right? You know what I'm saying? You always want more. So it's about the journey and these little check marks to the journey, let you know you're on the right path. Now you understand more too, because now our conversations can get more about others and more about how we're going to help others through your journey. But until you, Right. And this is two years in and, and you will ebb and flow continue. It's, it's just me to let you know that this will come and, and we have up days and down days, but it's about the perseverance and you're not alone. You look at what you've done with it, Brady. It's the same thing as that, that I've, I've sort of done with, with everything that I do, but with puck support, with talking to Helen back with all this stuff being, being out there, it's you created that community and, uh, and along the way it sucks because we still lose guys, yeah. right? We still lose guys along the way to, to whatever else, whether it's substances, whether it's, su- you know, the suicides, wh- um, whether it's just because people for no other reason pass away that that's life and it doesn't change. But the fact that, that what we do is yeah, we never forget. We honor these guys that came before me. I mean, you mentioned and how a small world it is, right? You mentioned that at the end of the month, you're playing, is it in Peterborough? No, he's, it's up here in Gravenhurst, actually, right here in Muskoka. But yeah, Rob Carlton, I think he might even be watching. He said he was going to watch, but small world. Shout out, bro. Junior B, Peterborough of Roadrunners, bro. That's where I went from Leamington, Ontario to Peter to Peterborough. And got with, you know, play with Robbie and guys like uh, Rob Crow and Joe Sullivan and uh, Joe McGillis and, you know, uh, the guys that molded me, molded me into the craziness of everything else, right, that I wouldn't change. So the fact that, holy cow, man, that's like 30-some years later, right? It's a, it's a small world and then sort of giving it back. So well, what I love is, is and, and you look at this too, Bray, you've been doing all this in the worst time of trying to be sober is when you're alone through COVID, through all this. So the fact that you're able to do it now to launch your journey, to be better, to go through all the stuff that you're going through now only makes it bigger and better when we can connect when we can put face to face, when you can go out and start doing all these things. So again, as part of the journey, this is all the check marks. I couldn't be proud of you, more proud of you because here's the best part. When you have a bad day, we all know, and we should because you're transparent because that lets everybody know who else are having a bad day that you don't. It's not about smoke and mirrors, right? Not about smoke and mirrors. And, And some days I find myself Right. So I have to have certain people where I can go to and just blow a gasket to get it out of my chest. But I but I put that into my toolbox. Yeah. Right. So and I love that that you've done that. And I see the growth. There's so, so much more to go. It gets me to reminisce of where I was. My sobriety dates, 11, 11, 15. So back in 2017 and I look at everything that I've learned since then not only about myself but about where i want to be and where i want to go so um you've you've done so much so far and you're just tip of the iceberg right because what i see is i see brady leovold you know liking the guy that he sees in the mirror what i always say 
about don't ignore that guy, don't lie to that guy. And I see a guy who's having that conversation with yeah. with that person, good, bad, or indifferent. And 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 the beauty of how, like you said, is that the gratitude, living in gratitude. I'll give you I'll give you uh, an example on a different note. Is that my right hand guy just lost his uncle to COVID? Was in the hospital like the other night. He had to fly down to Florida. Um, and then, but I know the growth that he's had because when he gets down there, he shares a picture a few months ago, him and his uncle went to Vegas and they got a picture outside or whatever, but he came and oh, I'm glad I went on this trip or we had this photo, right? In the hardest time to come through times of gratitude and be grateful for what you had or the memories that you do have and remember that so that it's important if you, oh man, I wish I would have done that, then don't. There's no what ifs. Then do it next time. Be adamant. Be a parent so that at the end of the day, we don't live with what ifs, yeah. right? And we find that alternative. And you, like getting back to the cannabis journey, everybody's different. DNA, we know because of the murder shows, right? DNA and your endocannabinoid system, which every human being has, it's a, it's a lot the same, but it's different. So you use cannabis differently than I do. You know, I know through your journey that, you know what I mean? The THC helped at certain points, but more of the CBD. And we had this conversation. So it's more important of what are you trying to accomplish? And here's the one thing. Here's a little bit of an education. Being an alcoholic, I'm grateful. Why? Because all my stuff repaired, right? All my stuff repaired. And plus, I'm not a diabetic. So I, I, that really ruined my chocolate high. Right. So, but the fact is that, you know, with the, the opioids, you've severed retender, retentions, they'll never come back together. So you're always going to get this urge. So with the CBD and different things, it's what can quell that urge. So it's more like taking the migraine down to a slow that's, burn. That's and when right. you understand the why, that's what we're doing. The why you think like that, why you do that. And when you realize that you weren't the only piece of shit out there, that there's a lot of other pieces of shit. And then actually there's people you looked up to that were bigger pieces of shit at time than you were. But there was, there was a way I always use the adage and you'll hear me say what Bob Prober did for me, not only on the ice, off the ice as a friend or whatever, but he taught me where the line was. Mm -hmm. So he might not have known where it was unless it was white. Right. But when he crossed it, it cleared it. And I was able to hang and able to survive. So unfortunately we lose some people, but to this day, it's what did I learn and what message moving forward, soldiers in the army, right? We're playing the same role. We only know one way to play, bro, and that's give everything we got to whatever we're into. And so that's that's the whole thing is that we're on this uh, sobriety and in in this being, a you know, trying to be the best person that you can be. Man, I, I so appreciate uh, everything you said, like everything, not just about me, but the education uh, that you're just, just the way you speak, DMAC. And I think it's really important. Like, I just want to share a quick story before I let you go. I know you just got off the air and that, but, you know, so at different times in my life of, of trying to get sober, trying to get clean, of course, I went to doctors and uh, try to get on, you know, oh, I need antidepressants. Oh, I need this. Oh, I need that. And, and I tried these different things and they never worked for me. Right. And what I realized is like this time around, I did the same thing. And you know, I went to the doctor and did the whole psych evaluation, the whole everything like two years ago. And the doctor, you know, I'm not saying he's a bad doctor or anything. It was a quick appointment. I'm, he didn't ask barely any history about me or anything. 
Um, and next thing you know, he's prescribing me some pretty heavy narcotics, something called Vyvanse, which the only reason I knew what it was is because it's, it's jail crystal meth. That's what it is. Like it's jail crystal meth. Guys get prescribed it in jail specifically because it's a crystal, like a crystal meth high. And so when this doctor prescribed me this Vyvanse in a high dose, and that was one of my drugs, like, you know, and, and I know how it makes me feel. I know how the Vyvanse makes me feel because I did it in jail. Like I used it in jail as a jail drug. And I know how it makes me feel, makes me anxious. And then guess what I want to do? I want to do fentanyl. I want to do heroin. I want to do something to come down. And so like, I looked at this and, and I told the doctors, like, there's no way I'm ever going to take this medication and, and all this stuff. And that's when I kind of was like, maybe there's another, another alternative, but I was so hesitant because I want to get clean, but how can I, how can I use cannabis? How can I microdose mushroom? People are going to look at me and say, Hey, he's not clean. Right. Having said that at the beginning of all this, I think, you know, uh, right. I was on, I'm on methadone this time last year, I was on 110 mils of methadone, which is very high dose. Currently I'm at four four mils of methadone. Um, and uh, it, getting off of it has been a nightmare. It's basically just like coming off the other stuff. It's been, I've been in a mild withdrawal since about June and without the plant medicines to take away, uh, some of that, you know, the, the pain and the, like the actual physical aches. Um, I don't know if I'd be able to do it. Right. And so it's really important that guys like yourself and Riley, uh, have been speaking in this space because I myself thought there was like one way and one way only you got to follow this, go do this, go do this. And for some people that may work and that's great, but it simply just didn't work for me. And I'd given up and I'd given up hope. And, you know, and now I found this new way of, of living and there's things that I do and things that I don't do. Um, and people who are in the recovery community, I know have judged me to say, well, that guy's not really clean because they work their NA or AA program and that's okay. Right. Listen, Don't here's the, here's the dichotomy, right? I've read that book 8,000 times. I got it highlighted to the, to the tits, to whatever else it says in there, work your own program. My program has a garden and go fuck yourself. All you cocksucking motherfucking old time motherfucking bastards that the book was wrote back in the fucking 20s or 30s or whatever like this. It's called evolution. It's called science. It's called what we know. There's two fucking things that I'll say, right? There's two statements I live by. Get educated, get medicated. That's what you did. And also, don't tell me what, tell me who, which is also... When I say that, that's right. Don't tell me. And when you're talking plants or whatever like this, don't tell me what you're smoking, what you're using. Tell me who produced it. Tell me it's a Darren McCarty brand Cushman's, Darren McCarty brand power play gummy. So I know you're on the right track, right? So all you, and because you know what? You know how many motherfuckers have died because of that, Brady? Yes. Because of that mentality. Yeah. And I had that too because I was told that till the point where I was gonna die next to death that the love of the caregiver community said we can't we're not gonna lose you and used rso 10 to 15 grams rick simpson oil to get the physical addiction of alcohol to my system so i could get on my knees be grateful be in tears and then be mad like I am so fuck all you cocksucking motherfuckers it's about finding your way and to that point come to me for the cannabis go to riley cote for the for the microdose and the psilocybin that's what those guys do and that that along that way where i lead the opioid guys to riley because i because i think that men mentally there's more of a stick that's not my bag right the plant's my bag and i know this and i will put you saw what i would do to protect 
all my teammates, whoever I ever played for, especially coming up on that 25th anniversary, March 26th, of what the fuck I did to Lemieux for acting stupid, right, is the fact that I will protect this cocksucking plant till to to my dying days. So come at me, motherfuckers. Let's fucking go. You think I'm fucking serious? Google me. Holy shit. And uh, That's how I feel about... Yeah. About, so if anybody that knows, right, that has that premonition and it, it's that because, because look at what you said. What did I always tell you? You have to, you can't cold turkey, you can't whatever. The fact that you're under Medicare care by your doctor to take your blood pressure medicine, to take whatever on your four milligrams, right? You're working your program down. You're being honest about you're in this small you know, the, the, I don't know what it's like to to get off heroin. Thank God, I thank God I never got into that because fucking I'd be dead for sure. So the whole thing is that there's options. You got to question and you got to say what is. And here's the thing: the science is there now, so don't be fucking caught in the whole things, guys. There's Bitcoin and NFTs and all this garbage shit that's coming in. That's gonna ruin. We're gonna be metaversing next time. We're gonna be doing this in a few years. Sitting next to each other with our little virtual guys, smoking joints, like figuring that out. It's coming. So I just know. don't, because this is the real, real. At the end of the day, this is about getting up in the morning. And I, I love, I love, this is, I also too, where I know where you're at, have a great day if you choose. Right? That's your state, that in your email, that's your statement. But that tells me that you understand. It's just getting you to say that, you know what, what anybody else thinks about you is none of your business. That's right. That's right, man. Well, right. listen, D-Mac, that was... You got uh, other guests. No, my dip. You can fire that out virally all you want. You send that to the Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, motherfuckers, anybody. You can send it to the heads of the, of the NHL, right? Just, I know that one day when they get their stuff together, that I'll probably be the chief NHL Canada consultant, and that's fine with me. I I don't doubt it. And uh, DMAC, listen, man, like this is the this is a thing, right? And I see your passion, and I hear people that maybe not understand. I I understand it, man. Like mm-hmm. I understand. I've been judged by those people. I've been cast aside from those people when it's supposed to be one one person helping another. And if, as soon as you're not towing your weight the way that they want, it's like you you know you're so so you keep on the path, right? Because yeah. how much older am I than you? Twenty years? Yeah, give or take. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So I've been doing this longer, right? I have the scar tissue. I have the calluses, right? To know exactly, like, look, I'm not here to argue. I'm here to fight or answer your question, right? <laughs> so you keep working your program and all these fucktards that want to come in the way. And when it, because here's the one thing, Brady, nobody in that aspect is going to jeopardize your sobriety Right, because at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I can reach across this phone right here and slap you on the side of the head and go, "Come on, bro! Now we're getting into because you know that's ego, you know that it's not who you want to be." Because when I tell you the one thing that I'll switch you is that, oh, you're worried about this person in front of you. What about the person with their hand up behind you? That is you in jail, going, "I'm just gonna sit here and die because there's no hope," right? Fucking don't worry about arguing with this guy. Turn around and tell this guy how you did it. Get your back on these motherfuckers. They don't deserve your time. I love it. Thank You've done you. the work, kid. You're doing the work. That's it. Continue to do the work. That you know it's you have good days and bad days, but 
I, I watch it. I see it. And the more, and see, cause you, you're one of those, here's the thing. You're like half me, half drapes and Stevie and those guys. No, you love the game. The love of the game is you is who you are. So when you're around the game, whether it's, it's with the kids or being out on the ice, that's who you are, right? You're the combination of me and them, but don't hide that from you because when I see you, that's where I see you in your purest form. You're happy. You're damn you got that right, man. Before oh, yeah. I let you go, there's a bunch of comments, but I got to get to Rob Carlton's. He's watching. He says, congrats, Budge. Such a huge feat. You were winning. Hey, DMAC slash carts. Uh, he wanted me to uh, to let you know that his son made that brick team that you sent the video to him. Oh, uh, really? And they're they're headed off to the. I don't know if they went. Sorry, Rob, or if they're going. I, I believe think they're it's going. In, I think it's coming up, isn't it? Usually in April, the yeah, brick tournament think, for all the twelve year olds across the across the world. Yeah. Such a tough tournament to get into. Probably harder even to play in the Memorial Cup because you only got one year, right? So shout out to the to to Robbie, and that's what you know. This is what you'll find too, Brady, right? The people that you've crossed in, that you've come across in your life, that that will, the good ones surface back around, right? Or will you'll come across or somebody who knows somebody or whatever. That's how you know. Like that, to see somebody that I've known 30 years ago and remember doing some crazy stuff like back when we were teenagers, right? To where we're at now and, and that connection. That's to me what life's all about. That's what hockey's given me. And and you know what? It's the it's the vulnerable truth with integrity, which is my heart virtue. So that's why I get a little bit a uh, little bit upset when when about when I know it's not right in in my heart of hearts. So just throwing some comments up there before you go. Um this guy, uh, Darren says, I grow my own. I make my own gummies and oils. It's been nothing but a lifesaver. Even my 83-year-old mother, who was so against cannabis, now uses my gummies to help calm her, help her with pain and sleep. We know cannabis is a medicine. We've come so far scientifically. And I hope, Darren, you don't mind uh, me mentioning, too, that you're also uh, in recovery um, and doing very well. So another guy out there that... that Darren, you, right on, bro. Yeah. Hey, prop, props because that's what it is. Did you see what he said there where I said get educated, get medicated? Because scientifically, right, I can't be this big, like, even though if I knew, but but here's the thing, for the last six years since uh, getting sobriety, this plant saved my life, so I'm dedicated to it. So the only reason that I know all that I know, I'm able to produce all I know is because I surround myself with the smartest people about this plant. So scientifically, I can get you the information if I don't have it of why this works with your system. To the fact that that you don't have to suffer if you don't want. The fact that in Canada and in most states or whatever, you can, if you want to, grow your own thing. Isn't it great to be able to see your 83-year-old grandmother have a gummy and smile or, or be able to go to sleep? That's the biggest thing. That's the whole my whole thing with the roll on and the CBN and CBD is for sleep and for pain, right? That's where everybody can start with. Then if you're messed up like us in the head, you can work on that, right? <laughs> that's where everything else comes in. But you know, um, that's what, that's what it's all about. It's that conversation and, and Darren living it, doing it. And all of us, what we do is not who we are. And at the end of the day, you know what? And it could be the Canadian in us, but it's the compassion that we have. So 
Absolutely. Joseph, uh, Matthew, just two and a half years, uh, just got two and a half years after 20 years of Matthews. I owe that to cannabis. So there's, you know, this is a thing. I think a lot of people are, are using it. People in, in the past haven't felt even felt comfortable talking about, um, using it as a medicine while, while they're in recovery. Uh, DMAC, where does every, where can anybody get uh, more information on your products there? Where can we get them? Are they in Canada or is it just in the States right now? No, abs, abs, well, uh, see, that's the beauty is the, uh, DarrenMcCarty.com, um, or pincana.com. The CBD roll on and the CBD products, uh, will be available worldwide. The THC products are only available in the state of Michigan as of right now until the brand gets, expanded which we're working on stuff like that but you can uh check me out uh facebook official darren mccarty uh instagram real darren mccarty or if you really want to talk to me then tweet it out darren mccarty four on twitter it's got the blue check mark that's the and here's the whole thing brady what i realized right is you mentioned the wrestling and stuff like that and 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 I don't want to do it, but I just, I'll do it to prove that I'll do it. But I got all the cannabis and all the stuff into these guys, these wrestlers. And as a huge wrestling fan, I know that the better they sleep, the better that they feel outside the ring, the crazier stuff they'll do inside the ring. So you'll see, uh, you'll see a lot of this. Uh, that's, that's, I'm, cause I love it. I, I love it. I love the, the independent scene and, uh, you'll see me out and about doing that. So. I can't, I can't wait, bro. And if there's anything that I can do, I know I'm small, but you know, I got your back a hundred percent. And We're I just gotta, Hey, once these truckers get this thing all figured out and Canada gets figured out and whatever, like this and that, then you know what? We're, we're going to actually have, have, uh, have this meetup that uh, has been a long time coming and we're going to figure out how we're going to attack this moving forward. All it is, is that you're building your army building my army. It's the same. It's just a bunch of different squads out of the same army. And how do we put them together and how do we get the message out to the people that want to do the work? You, nail, you nailed it early. Remember that we have some alternatives and some options that have worked for an alcoholic in me has worked for an opiate addict and, and brave that, that we're willing, but if you're not willing to do the work, nothing works. You have to do your own and you have to figure out yourself. Like, like you got to figure out your dosage. I'll give you the right medicine or whatever, and, and then we'll figure out what works for you. And then boom, because once you get that secret, once you get that secret, it's life-changing. Then you can compete with life on life's terms. I love it. DMAC, thank you so much, man. It was last minute. I know I asked you like a day in advance, and it's so kind that you take Any the time. time for you, bro. Do you know that? I love you. I'm proud of you. Uh, enjoy your day and uh, keep working. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're not getting... Yeah, I, am I gonna have to at least get? If you're gonna be dropping the gloves every game, I gotta at least get you another hundred a game at least. Come on, jeez. I mean, old habits die hard. I just uh, shake they, my head, but I love it. Keep being you. They do. Okay, buddy. Love you All too. Right. Love you, buddy. Bye. That's uh, Darren. Darren McCarty. Holy, what a beauty that guy is. So super grateful to have him in my life. And you know, you never really know where the conversation is gonna go. And I think it's. If at anything else, it's just important um, to know uh, that there's other ways uh, and we shouldn't feel guilty about trying to find what's best for ourselves, right? And uh, it's just really important because, like I said earlier, I really thought that there was nothing that I could do uh, that that was going to help me get my life back. And 
Again, like DMAX said, it's been a combination of things. I've had to do a significant amount of work, trauma counseling, like so much stuff that I've done in the last two years. And uh, it's all played a part, right? And so we just share our experiences openly and honestly with people. So hopefully people can gauge and make the best possible decision for themselves. And the best thing about the plant medicine route for me is it's pretty harmless, right? Like, honestly, for me, it's a lot less harmless than going down the pharmaceutical route. Um, that's just my, my take, the medicines that they were trying to prescribe me, as you heard me uh, go into detail about. So, yeah, without the plant medicines, I'm not two years clean. I'm sure of it. Um, thank you to Riley Cote, um, especially. Um, psilocybin was something microdosing was something that really helped me early on uh, i think it helped wire some of the the neurogenic pathways in my brain if you don't know what i'm talking about just search it on youtube i'm not the doctor uh, but riley is going to come back on the show he's been on a couple times he's going to come back on the show uh very soon to to educate us and update us with what he has moving forward because he's working with a lot of athletes and it's starting to become a lot more mainstream and accepted and it's not becoming mainstream because it's cool or popular. It's becoming mainstream because there's science behind it and it actually works. It actually works. I know several current professional hockey players that microdose mushrooms before games. Sounds crazy, right? But it's microdosing. It's microdose. You barely even notice. Um, but wow, what an impact it's had. All right. My old man sitting there backstage ready to... Probably not talk so much. No offense, Dad. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to get him back in here. And, you know, it's it's been a... He's been on before. Some of you guys may have heard him speak early on. Episode 50, episode 100. That was a while ago. Some things have changed um, for the better, right? And I uh, just wanted to bring him in here and... See if he's willing to share a little bit more about what he experienced through my addiction and uh, how he's feeling today. So without further ado, guys, happy to introduce you as my hero, my dad, Brian Leavold. What's going on, dad? You're muted. Can't hear you. Still can't hear you. There we go. Nope. Can't hear you still. That's Okay. Man, a few words. Now his mic doesn't even want to work. Now he's an officially uh, a mute. It's okay, Dad. Figure it out. I'll kick it over to a uh, to a quick commercial. We'll be back with my dad, Brian Leibold. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at PrideTape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, -E, Aubrey at PrideTape.com. You can find PrideTape on Facebook.com slash PrideTape, on Twitter at PrideTape, and at PrideTape on Instagram. PrideTape thanks all of you for being champions for change. 
All right, we're back. Are you there? Still can't hear you, Dad. Technical difficulties. Take your headphones out. Pull the headphones out. That should work. There we go. We got them. See? I'm a techie. Quickly, though, Dad, it's, it might, it, I'll try to turn it down so it doesn't echo on you. It is better to have headphones. But uh, thank you uh, to the guys at Pride Tape, the girls at Pride Tape, and a special thank you to Curtis Gabriel, who made an appearance last night on my online two-year celebration. Um, friend of the show, good friend of mine, huge supporter of mine, and somebody that I look up to tremendously. So, um, Dad, thanks for being here. Thanks for getting your mic working. Well, it feels like I never left. That was quite the ordeal last night. That was a long time. A lot of recognition for you. Yeah, it was uh, three and a half hours. It didn't feel like three and a half hours, but I couldn't believe it when I looked uh, looked up at it. And um, yeah, I just, I'm super grateful for all those people and to see all the people in there uh was pretty awesome how how was how are you how are you feeling about me being two years clean and and uh in maybe comparison to to where you were this time last year and and maybe even more so where you were when i started this journey well you've come a long way for sure you know i was i was you keep bringing up that i was skeptical about your front car seat first podcast but um it's been amazing what you've accomplished. Um, two years sober is a lot better than two years dead. So, yeah, you know, it's what can, in two years for me compared to two years for you, like my life hasn't changed. I've tried to let you do your own thing. And that's why I've kind of laid back in the puck support thing, because you know, I'm going to help when the time's right. But, um, it's been a, yeah, just to see the growth and development and, and the friends you've made and uh, all the people back in Ontario. And then to see some of the people on your show or your celebration last night, I'm sure shocked you too. There's people I didn't think were going to be on there and, and Susan and Cassandra deserve a great deal of credit. Yeah, it was um, quite a few people on there that I wasn't uh, wasn't really expecting any of them. But as you know, I went through them, and I have a I have a quick picture. Actually, Brian White, who was also in the meeting last night, uh, great local resident here in Cravenhurst. And while I'm on that topic, coldest nights of the year. If you're watching or listening. Um, after i'm gonna have it in the link so we're walking uh, at the end of february which happens to be the same weekend of the four on four tournament that you may have heard heard me talk about i'm going to talk about a little later on uh, but we're raising money uh, team puck support for the town of gravenhurst providing meals and resources very close to my heart uh, too many times i've had to uh, rely on on resources like that um, mostly just because i was in drug addiction and had no extra money for food or anything like that so uh, but those people right maybe some of them are, are in that situation. Um, those people are good people. They still deserve our support. And uh, there's people that are not addicted that are also struggling more than ever. So coldest nights of the year, check it out. Um, I'll have a link. If you go to my Instagram page, it's in my link tree bio. So if you want to donate or come walk on that weekend, please do. Um, but yes, I have a picture from last night. And this isn't even everybody because uh, there was three pages of people. Um, but these were the smiling faces that I had looking back at me, uh, at least some of them. But as you can see, there's that arrow there. And it just continued to go on. Bob and Louise, our old neighbors, were there. Shout out to them. Um, it was really, uh, really nice to see. And uh, it was nice to see that 
you know, you actually had quite a bit of emotion last night and had a couple different people message me after Stuart being one of them and talked to Matt after. Um, how was it for you sitting back and, and listening to that? And, and maybe how often does it cross your mind that, you know, at any given moment, I could technically throw this all away? Like, are you worried about, about that as a parent? I'm just curious. Uh, every moment of every day, even though you've made great progress. I mean, I get uh, the reminders all the time, just driving through through town. Like I've told you before, there's there's a spot, oh, he was going to jump off that bridge, or there's a spot where he was arrested, or there's a spot where I saw him when I'm coming home from work and I got leftover pizza and just happened to run into you on the street, and you take the cold pizza and disappear into the Netherlands again. And... Um, you know, even to the day I put you on the plane. Like, we almost duped it out at the airport because you went in and used before you got on the plane. And I. Yeah. That story, for anybody who wants to hear that story, it's it's not funny, but it's now I can I can laugh and at least be more than anything, I can be honest about it because I was such a liar, just trying to do everything to lie and cover my addiction, even though everybody knew. I guess whatever coming up on five years, I guess now uh, my dad put me on a plane after I like overdosed on my mom's lawn and almost died. And um, I came out to Ontario. I had a, a previous girlfriend at the time. Um, but anyways, uh, they, they put me on a plane. My dad put me on a plane, dropped me off at the airport and I said goodbye. And, and I, thought that he had left and I went into the bathroom before going through security. And honestly, I was going to shoot up in the bathroom. That's where I was at in my life. I had a bag full of syringes and everything else. thought my dad had left and my dad kind of, you know, pulled a fast one on me and snuck around the corner, waited a second, then came flying into the bathroom. Like, what the hell are you doing type deal? And of course, I was just a bold faced liar still and, and everything else. But um, that was, you know, essentially the last time that we saw each other. So, um, I came out here and, and life didn't get any better uh, for a number of years. Um, what, like, where were you at with all of it? I mean, we've heard the story about you walking down Hastings, literally tipping people, giving people money for tips and where I was looking over uh, deceased bodies, people who have overdosed. So something that you did in your line of work as well as a firefighter, um, having to go deal with these calls and then having to go look for your son who is in the same situation. Um <laughs> How was that like for you really, dad? Like, you know, and how much were you prepared to maybe have to say goodbye to me and, and just accept the fact that maybe I was never going to get better as I moved to Ontario? Like, were you ever hopeful? No, actually, well, maybe if you filled my head full of lies about you going to Ontario. You know, you had this opportunity to, to go live somewhere and, you, you know, get out of the, the rut you were in here. So, yeah, no, I was very hopeful there. And then, you know, you continued to, it was a little harder to keep tabs on you. And you're telling me you're doing good. And um, the people you're with were telling me you're doing good. But it was all all smoke and mirrors, to use your words. And then um, I'm trying to think what summer it was. I couldn't get hold of you at all. And I've told you this story before. And, I mean, we filed missing person reports in the lower mainland long before you went to Ontario, but the Ontario one, it was like two, three months before we got any answers. And then all I got was a call from OPP, the Ontario police. And he just says, uh, yeah, he's fine. He's getting three square meals a day. I can't tell you what he did or where he is. And that was it until you got out. Like nobody would tell us. And obviously you'd moved on from, 
the other people and they weren't helping at all. So, and then when you got out, then, you know, then it's Sportsnet and it's hockey news and all this stuff. So that's where I found out mostly why, why you were in jail. Yeah. Well, me talking about it through podcasts and me sharing my story and I wasn't honest with anybody. And I think honestly, dad, and, and I wish I would have felt differently about it growing up, but there was, you know, I, I don't know if anyone watching or listening can relate to this, but I mean, I just looked up to you so much. So, and I knew I had a lot of stuff going on, you know, in hindsight, I know that you were my number one. Like I could have told you anything at any given time. I remember there's times you were just knew something was wrong. Like you knew, um, and you'd give me every opportunity to speak and make me feel comfortable. And, and I just couldn't. And it felt like it wasn't always because I felt I was going to let you down or whatever, but it was a big part of it. Right. And I just wonder how, how we can make a change uh, for people out there. Like what I, I often wonder that, you know, like, because if I would have been able to, to open up to, to you about a lot of the stuff that I had gone through, maybe I would have been able to work through it. Right. As a parent, um, when did you kind of notice that it was that I clearly had some issues. And before you answer that, I just want to say, like, I've had this conversation with other people, Bob and Louise, mom, um, a few others that known me for, you know, my whole life, pretty much. Um, when did you notice the change? Um, did you notice it around uh, five, six, seven years old? Did you notice my anger change? Anything like that? Because I have a very distinct memory of me being a very um, emotionally, emotional uh, kid, um, angry kid uh, that caused you a lot of problems. Um, did you ever think that there was more going on? Uh, I didn't think there was more going on. I just knew you were an angry kid sometimes. I had no idea, you know, what happened because I know when it happened now and I know where it happened and I know who it happened with. And, but you kept that a secret till just recently. Yeah, you, you were angry sometimes. Um, there were times after a hockey game you would not want to get in the car and you'd run across the field and we'd have to wait 20 minutes till you calm down and you know the first few times i'd chase you but then i you know but i had no idea about why you're angry we just had a game and you probably played very well like most times you did probably either got a misconduct or spent some time in the box but um that was normal but the the off ice stuff when you're angry or had tantrums or yeah, yeah. No, I, I have no idea why. And, well, yeah. Uh, I probably should have investigated more, and you probably could have told more, too. So, yeah, that, that's the whole thing, Dad. I didn't ask that question. I was just wondering how you felt about it. I don't blame anybody. Like, well, I shouldn't say anybody, but I certainly don't blame you or anybody that was close to me. Um, you know, I just, it, I think there was also a lot of other things going on. on around that time too, right, um, in our lives. And, and I think, like, if I didn't have hockey, though, um, I think things would have been a lot differently. Um, how much did you notice that I maybe used hockey as that first outlet? And how much do you notice that it actually became more of, uh, like, in hindsight, do you look back and see a little kid on the front st street thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it, which I did? Um, or could you see now how I was just so captivated by being out of my own mind? Um, and that's why maybe I also enjoyed it so much. Like, did you see that? Or do I have a dis distinguished or, a, you know, I don't even know the word, but bad memory of, uh, of that. Like, I just feel like I spent a lot of time with rollerblades on and stick in my hand and, and that kind of stuff. You and most every other kid in the neighborhood, there was, you know, there's four or five of you and some even older ones 
who we've talked about recently, you know, they're three, four, five years older than you that I coach too, but you would all, all play in that cul-de-sac and you would play a lot alone in the driveway or in, in the carport or in the, in the cul-de-sac by yourself, but it, it, it wasn't really play. Now that I think back on it, it, it had to be real. Like you had to have the music. You had to have, you were mad if there wasn't a goalie or you were, or two goalies if there was a game or, you know, you didn't like it when there was somebody referee and your sister might want a referee or one of the other girls because you would never let them play. But it had to be almost official game unless you were on your own, just trying to do what all the kids do now. Yeah, they're pretty incredible now, aren't they? Right? Like it's. I thought, you know, I was essentially probably one of the the better kids around for stick tricks, doing that stuff. There wasn't a whole lot of us doing it. Me and Ned were were really the only ones doing it. I was fortunate to have Mike Leg uh, coach me a couple times at Puck Masters, the original Michigan guy um, who kind of taught me that pickup move at like eight or nine years old. But I don't know if you remember this, and this is just a funny story. Actually, the the very first time that I saw saw anybody do that move i don't know if you remember this we were at a vancouver canucks game they were playing the anaheim ducks and i wish i could remember what player it was but it wasn't like Tevardoski who looked like pavel burry that's why i liked him um or paul korea or anybody like that um it was this other guy but he had long hair kind of like kind of like mine but he Curvers. came over who Curvers. was it yeah and he put anyway he came <laughs> Yeah, there was a little space in between the glass for, the, for the photographer and he came right over and warm up and he just whoop, picked it up and put it right on the thing. Now, during that, and I was like, what the hell was that? Like, how did you do that? I don't probably seven, eight years old. We went to the store after like the Canucks authentic store to get whatever I get a mini stick or whatever. And I got a mini stick. And I got a little foam puck. And I don't know if you remember this. The whole way home, I was in your Suburban and I was I had that stick and it was on the, the seat. And it, I actually learned how to do that on the way home from that Canuck game because the puck was squishy, the seat was squishy, and you could push in and kind of get that motion. And that's where that that was like the first time I ever saw. But it's pretty amazing to see the kids kids do that. But that, you know, I spent a lot of time um, in the carport uh, putting in the work and and really just trying to escape now fast forwarding the story um when did you notice that hey maybe brady's doing drugs and what did that feel like for you um to hear that and did you ever think that i would ever go down that road i never thought you'd go down the road there was a couple of examples when you came back and you were playing for the express would be about when i um found out through different means and you know the you got into some money from them that i kind of didn't know about but kind of knew about but um i'm sure there was a couple experiments in high school but never the stuff you ended up doing never in high school i never once did hard uh, drugs until after high school right and like it's um yeah and so what about what about when you hear, you know, like, again, let me ask you this. I've never asked you this. 20 years old, I had just finished the best career, best season of my life with the Kelowna Rockets. 
And now all of a sudden there's some NHL teams calling through St. Louis, New York. I ended up signing with Norfolk in the A. We know why I signed with Norfolk in the A because somebody was going to buy the Lightning who knew me. And remember, I don't know if you remember that phone call that we made. It was going to sign with somebody else. And then we decided and we was like, what the blah, 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 blah. And anyways, if people can do the math on that, who that was, regardless, things didn't pan out for him, nor did they pan out for me. Don't know if they would have anyways because of the state that I was in. So I'm not blaming anybody. Having said that, um, I remember it was a big moment uh, for me, not so much to get a pro contract, but that same day that I signed uh, the contract, you gave me a, a set of keys to uh, your 69 Cougar convertible, uh, which happened to be your dad's. Um, your dad passed away when you were 12 and um, your your mom, my grandma Lever, the uh, just a champion in my life for sure. And yours, of course, um, kept it and gave you, gave you the car at 16 years old. Now, I always wanted to drive it. It was sitting in her, I used to go sit in the car in the, in her garage when it was in there for all those years. And even when I got my license, you never let me drive it. You never, nope, nope, nope. It's got this different insurance. I'm sure it did. I know you're not a liar. So you're telling me you gotta have 10 years driving experience. Well, that day you gave me the keys. You let me drive away. I think I even peeled out by accident because it's got the 351 V8. And I'm like, oh, oh he's going to take the keys as I go around the corner. But in that moment, right, like that was a huge moment for me. Um, and you, it wasn't just like a one day thing. You went to your cabin. I had that car for like a month and a half straight and went to the drive-in movie theaters and I had Brooklyn, little Brooklyn who was just born in the back in the car seat and pretty cool. Now, moving forward from that point, did you have any idea that that summer, uh, you know, I was really struggling um, with, with drugs and that when I went to Victoria, you were in Victoria at Tampa Bay Lightning's prospect camp. Did you have any idea that I was not in great shape, had not been training and maybe most importantly had been binging on cocaine? I had zero knowledge of the cocaine use that year. I actually thought you were training hard at, at um, Fit Life. Yeah, Fit Life and would would drop you off or when you had the car and then I, I thought you'd be fully motivated having a pro deal and having a chance. And I mean, you'd done it this summers before and I had no suspicions. Even when I was in Victoria, well, I didn't very, didn't see you very much when I was in Victoria. And we only got to see a couple of see each other a couple of times, but it, yeah. And so like, you know, I just think back to that. And again, like, no, I, there's no way you would know I was hiding it from everybody and certainly was going to hide it from you back then. And um, what about, what about like moving forward? Like, you know, all of a sudden I'm playing, like things look pretty good. Like yeah, I got injured in Victoria. Um, you know, I was out for a bit with this knee injury, but I remember you were at the last few games of my, my first year pro in Victoria. And I think I had like nine goals in my last 10 games coming back from injury. Like I just went on this tear. I got first star three games in a row and, and was playing really well. And, you know, things were looking pretty good for the next season. When did you kind of have a suspicion that I was on, uh, like addicted to the pills? And uh, did you, I, I know I've shared this story with the doctor. I think you remember coming to the doctor with me uh, in Port Coquitlam when they cut me off my pills there. But when did you know, know, did, know, and like, how did that make you feel? Did you think, did you think, hey, well, it's just a prescription painkiller. This isn't that big of a deal. Uh, what was your thinking on that? Well, I trusted the trainers in Victoria and I trusted you and I trusted the doctor until, um, if you remember right, you probably only played weekends when you were home and they let you come home like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or whatever it was. And to see um, Brooklyn and um, 
you had to go to the doctors and you had conned the doctor that you were going on a road trip. And I took you to the doctors and he says, yeah, here's a prescription for 300 pills. And that's when I went crazy. Like who needs 300 pills? Yeah. And you already had a prescription from the other doctor from two days before. But I didn't know that. I'm just thinking, well, what, what are you going to do with 300 pills? And then, so, yeah, that was, uh, but I still thought it was because of the East Coast, like there's only one extra guy and you had to either play hurt or you, you were okay because you were still on the American League deal, I think, but I'm, uh, I could be wrong. But the next time when you went back, like I owe uh, Morrison a huge apology. <laughs> I probably do too, actually, Mark Morrison. Um, and actually, while I'm on that topic, Ryan Wade, who was the assistant coach there that year, and my actual line mate the year before, former Tacoma slash Kelowna Rocket, um, is somebody that I've connected with again recently. And um, not sure where Mark is now. I think he's coaching the American League or something. Uh, no, he's in the NHL somewhere. I'm trying to think Anaheim or something. Oh, really? Okay. Maybe. Yeah, definitely. And that was a, that's a story for another day, how that entailed. But again, you know, this is the thing, right? And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for putting you in that position because you're believing that everything that I'm telling you, why wouldn't you, especially up to that point. And, you know, they obviously knew something was going on. I was acting all out of, out of sorts and uh, they could see it um, on the other side wasn't a ton of, you know, trainer was great. Best trainer I ever had was in Victoria, to be perfectly honest. Dave Zarn, he really knew like very little. Um, I had actually found uh, an outside, after the team doctor kind of was getting suspicious, I had found like an outside doctor in Victoria as well. So I kind of got away from, from the team doctor as much as I could. So there was like three doctors involved actually, but the trainer, he, Dave Zarn, he's now the trainer for the Vancouver Canucks. He was um, unbelievable. Uh, to, to me and still is. But I mean, I, I put you in that position where it could have, you know, you have a reputation in hockey, you're scout for the Saskatoon Blades, uh, at the time firefighter, um, and you're going in guns a blazing thinking you're defending your son in the right. And clearly, I was in the wrong, which makes you in the wrong. And uh, I apologize for that. Um, what about like, is there one moment that sticks out in your mind that was like the absolute hardest for you to deal with through any of this? Coming to see me in jail for the first time, was that it? I don't know if it was the hardest, but it's it's never fun to it's like we're talking now, only there's plexiglass between you and you got the phone and you know, and the first time I, I, I think you thought it was still kind of cool to be in there. My first impression was that you know, you you had your hair shaved a bit and compared to now. And I don't know, you just had this attitude, like, I don't, maybe you were mad that it took me so long to come, but uh, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know if that was the hardest. It was the couple times in emergency ward weren't great, like Surrey Memorial when you had overdosed and I was there. Uh, uh, Debbie came with me, my cousin yeah. came. Yeah. Actually, shout out to Thomas Overs. I had a great chat with him on the phone the other day. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, those were never fun. You know, a couple of visits in the psych ward are never fun. And then, you know, when the first article in the newspaper came out, that wasn't very fun either. So, 
Yeah. Front page news, former hockey pro sentenced to 21 months in jail. And, you know, that was, um, you know, I felt bad for you guys. Uh, I was easy for me because I was, you know, in jail uh, for the next foreseeable future. So I didn't have to deal with any of the aftermath. In fact, it actually kind of made me more popular in jail, if anything. Right. And so I hate to say it, it's just the truth. Um, but yeah, I kind of like, I'm so sorry, right. For that. And you know, torched our family name pretty much for a while. Um, what did like, did you ever draw up a scenario in your mind that was like, okay, Brady's been to jail. He's out, he's in this hell but maybe there is a way that he can get his life back. What does that even look like? Was there ever a scenario that you drew up? Like maybe it's just get a construction job and just have a normal life. Like, did you used to think about this stuff or was it, were you to the point near the end where it was like, there's nothing I can do. I've tried everything that I can because you did. And, and I just have to literally watch my son either make the right choice or the wrong choice moving forward. Well, you did have some good jobs. <laughs> you had some really good jobs that you got on your own, which were good, like in oil refineries and and construction jobs and te teaching jobs. And um, did I think there just to give up? No, but you did have to do it on your own. Like there wasn't much anyone could could do for you. Like we we everybody had tried, and you either had to to jump on board or you were going to sink. Were you prepared? Were you prepared ever to, to have to like where the day was coming, where you were going to get the phone call that I was no longer going to be here. Did you ever exercise that thought? I don't think you prepare for it, but I expected it at some point because like you even told me your next one's going to be me one time. Right. So, um, did I prepare for it? No, but I, I expected it because I would get phone calls from you at three, four, two, noon, didn't matter. So every time the phone rang or someone knocked at the door, like it's a good thing we weren't ordering from Amazon back then because I probably wouldn't answer the door. On, you know, every knock on the door, you never knew who it was. I'm sorry you had to go through that. And that's... But it's over and done with now. And then, you know... There were some funny ones too, where I got called to the uh, RCMP detachment and they go, well, we liked him. Here's his Jordan running shoes. We didn't want to, okay, yeah. well, <laughs> another guy, oh, here, here's the cash we took off him when he was arrested. And it was obviously more than you had ever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, you got pulled in so many different directions and I just, you know, I just, I apologize. I can't even tell you how sorry I am for that. And I just put myself in your situation now. And listen, I've been a dad for a number of years. Uh, like I'm not new to being a dad by any means. And essentially maybe I am in a different frame of mind. Um, but I've never been able until recently been able to actually understand or try to even come close to understand what it must have been like um, for you or for any parent um, for that matter, to have to sit back and, and watch those things. And I had a, a similar conversation the other day with somebody and they mentioned too about, you know, being in the, the hotel or the hospital rather and, and watching their, their, you know, son um, and just feeling so helpless that there's nothing they can do. And I'm not sure if that person's watching or listening either right now or later, but you know who you are. And um, 
yeah, I just, I can't, I, I can't even imagine uh, having to watch, say, like Veda or Brooklyn or Brody or Lincoln or Hadley, any of them, um, go through that. And, you know, I'm sorry. And then dealing with the, all the, the aftermath of people and I owe money and I did this and I did that. Um, how much of that did you actually encounter, um, you know, within your everyday, whether it be at the rink or in the street? Like, was it, uh, were you almost like a, embarrassed to go out where you're hoping you didn't see anybody that knew me? Uh, I don't know about embarrassed because it wasn't me who borrowed the money or borrowed things or whatever. Uh, for the most part, people left me alone. Some of your um, friends would say, hey, he owes me this, he owes me that. I said, well, you're going to have to get it from him because those days are long gone now. And now more when I'm walking around town or um, especially the rinks now, like even when I'm in Alberta and that, like, I guess that story played well and then your presentations are um, making headway and people are always like I told you I need more of your cards so I can give them up because people want to want to hear what you have to say to prevent kids and hockey players and not just hockey players but there's other people want want to use what you're doing and they they see the turnaround and that's a good thing so it's more way more positive now almost to the point where I'm not tired of hearing it, but every time I go in, hey, that was a great article on Brady, what he's doing, and that's good. And I said, well, give him some work then because he he's doing great things, but he's still not 100% on his feet yet. So Yeah, and that's the truth, and that's facts, and and I appreciate that. You know, They're still advocating for me, and um, I've been able to do quite a few of these Zoom talks, and uh, honestly, it's been great. I've been, full disclosure, I've been uh, paid very well for them, and I've also done them for free. Um, and, you know, I had one team, um, you know, come to me and, and say they didn't have much of a budget, and I said I would do it for free, and they still ended up uh, giving me something small in the end, and I didn't want to take it, but to me, being able to to get through to some of these players. And I just actually, while we're on this podcast, had a former uh, guy I played against in the dub message me. He's now a coach, um, messaged me about a player uh, who reached out to me after one of these Zoom talks. And there's been quite a few of them. Um, just trying to to really see the scope of mental illness and even addiction in young people um, and how they're thinking about it. Um, and then most importantly, there's people out there struggling. It's been very, very eye-opening. And I think I have a long ways to go with a lot of it. Like I was mentioning earlier, you know, what's the next step to take me into that becoming a professional in 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 this? And this is what I want to do, right? Not just the speaking, but um, everything that comes with it. Uh, like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I can't even believe that. You know, I'm able to sit in front of hockey teams and basically tell them how much of a screw up I was um, and the choices that I made. I think that's the most important thing is, is just hammering on the choices that I made and when I made those choices and why I made those choices, what I was going through and how I could have done things differently if I had the chance. Um, it, it's life can change so quickly, right? Like so quickly. And I think you, you and I both know that. Um, you know, you've had some really tragic things happen to you in your life early on with your dad. And and you've seen a lot through working through the fire service um, and other things within our family that I can't even imagine how hard uh, were for you to deal with, especially as a single dad. Um, 
I just want to say thank you, Dad. First of all, I've said it to you before, but I'm going to say it here um, for everything. You're welcome. You don't have to say thank you anymore. Yeah, but I do. And um, it's it was there's no way that it's ever, ever been easy, at least from my memory anyways, um, dealing with not only myself, but my sister as well. And um, I don't know how you did it, Dad. I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you managed to get us everywhere, to do everything, to be everywhere. Um, and it just seemed like you were always there. You were always there. And now that I re reflect back on it, too, is, you know, maybe you didn't have as much as a life as you would have wanted to, but you always still did. You were always playing baseball. You're always playing hockey. I was always in the rinks, whether I was playing, you were playing or you were coaching down at the ball field, whatever. Some of those times um, are the best times that I've ever had in my life. Um, watching you play hockey, watching you play baseball, all that kind of stuff, just spending time with you. And I miss you. And I just have so much respect for you, Dad, and love for you that I don't even think you could possibly imagine. And I've done such a shitty job <laughs> in 34 years conveying that to you. Um, so that's not your fault. Um, but I'll tell you. You're doing it now. Don't worry about it. I get it. <laughs> you, you, you're just like me. You can't let people just talk and say something nice about you. Maybe that's where I get it from. But I will, I will just keep it to myself for now and just I don't know where I'd be without you I really don't and um, you've been the one constant in my life um, the one person that no matter what and from day one until this moment right now that I could always count on and there's nobody even remotely close that has ever shown me um, the love the trust um, that you have, um, like the fact that I can trust in you. I know it's a long ways to go here trusting me because there's a lot of damage done. But I always just like knowing that, you know, I know uh, it made my life so much easier. It, it always did as a kid. I mean, especially I never had to worry, never worried um, about much really um, other than the stuff that I was internalizing and stuff that happened to me. But as a kid, you always made it seem like everything was good. And we never really dealt with a whole lot of stress. And in hindsight, Dad, there was a whole lot of stress that you were going through. Um, and I just wish that I could have been a little bit better for you in my 20s um, so that you could have been enjoying uh, your last few years of work and, you know, everything that you were doing, scouting. Because for from the time I was, I don't know, 24 until two years ago, so almost, you know, eight years, there's a period of time there where, I'm sure it wasn't really enjoyable going to work, having to deal with some of the stuff you knew your son was going through, going to the ranks and knowing whether people are talking about it or not, knowing that your son once maybe had a promising hockey career, at least on the outside, and now he's essentially homeless or jail, addicted, whatever. Um, I'm sorry that you had to go through that, uh, but I'm very hopeful um, for, the, for the future, for us, for, for me and like, I don't know how I've got managed to get where I have today with, with getting two years clean, um, but I'll tell you that days are still hard. Life is still hard. There's no question. I still struggle sometimes very much so. Um, but I can confidently say that there's never been one moment uh, in the last two years, even from the moment that I decided to start my podcast on, that I ever felt like, you know what, I'm so bad that I'm going to go back and, and use drugs or whatever. And, um, you know, I know that's... 
it's, it's always there, dad. Like I know it's always there. I know it's always gonna be in the back of your mind. Um, but thank you for supporting me. Um, and, and being on the show multiple times. I know that first one really yeah. wasn't easy. What? Every 50 episodes you had me on. Well, that was, that was the deal, but we had to bring you on early. I was going to ask you to come on episode 100 of Hockey to Allenback, still might, but um, in 10 episodes away, so probably 10, I don't know, probably six and a half weeks. But, yeah, I know it hasn't been easy for you. Um, I, I just hope that it's getting a little bit easier for you as time goes on there's a long ways for for us to go our relationship our friendship all of that i think there's still a lot of damage done there and i'm not sure if i can ever you know repay you financially i know i could never repay you but um just repay you the only thing that i know how to do dad is to just keep doing what i'm doing and 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 stay clean and that's really what i know i can do and i'm hoping that what that's all i can ask all right. Well, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, no, it was a, a good showing last night. And like I said, I was surprised at how, not how many people, but just some blasts from the past. And I think you have to, um, like everybody watches your new episodes, I think you've got to put a list out of even your, your hockey to heroin or whatever it was. <laughs> Because I threw that one out. But all the guests you've had, like, like you've had some good guests on, and people might want to listen to some old episodes and see the improvement in your show from then to now. What is it? Is it? Is there an improvement? Well, it's tough to talk, talk McCarty's speech, but... <laughs> He's pretty wild. He's awesome. He was today. Yeah, well... I I don't think so. I think uh, I think this conversation that we had stole the show, and um, it's people people watching. Brody says those are very well spoken words, Brady. No matter if a parent says you don't need to say it deep inside, definitely appreciate it. Hearing the love come from one of their own. Debbie Over says you're a good dad, Brian. Damn right she is. Um, Rick Sterling says, big lob goes out to dad. Josh Balderson watching says, thank you, Brian. You're a role model as a father. You're damn right she is. Damn right she is. Sounds like a great dad. Debbie Overs also said, congratulations on two years clean, Brady. Nice to see you and your dad connecting again. Keep up the good work. That's my dad's first cousin. I know her as my auntie Debbie Overs. Um, I guess she's my second cousin. Hello to Debbie out there in BC. I talked at a great chat with Thomas, your son, the other day. Love that guy. Burnaby firefighter. I was like, oh, you guys got the best hockey team going probably. Eh? And he's like, yeah, we're pretty good. He <laughs> doesn't play though. Elena says, all the way from Germany, who was also on the call last night. She stayed up till like five in the morning. Elena, thank you for being there. She's done a bunch of the artwork around the... Uh, the studio and we've been able to give it out to some other people says this is probably so hard for you both but seeing you talk so open and honest with each other is really moving and inspiring wish i could do it and elena you can you can do it um you can talk to me start with me call me elena you know that um this is a tough one joseph mackie says i feel this conversation i stopped talking to my dad the last few months of his life very sorry, Joseph. Um, I believe that's the same guy um, who is 
now two and a half years clean. Last last couple of comments. Bones is watching. Bones sent in a beautiful video last night. Bones stole the show. Two minutes for looking so good. I even gave you the compliment, Bones. Your hair is so much better than mine. I need to know what products you're using. But he says, you guys rock. Love the love. Former pro hockey player, OHL superstar, 60-plus goals in a year. Are you kidding me? Who scores 60 goals in a year? Graham Bonner does. That's what he does. Holy. Dustin Jones. Talk about a throwback. Guy I graduated high school with. What's up, Jonesy? Says, holy the personal growth you're showing braids. Proud of you, man. Miss you. What's up, D. Jones? Nice. Thanks for stopping by and watching the show. Appreciate the support. Would love to hop on a call sometime. Dad, listen, you probably got some scouting reports to do or a rink, a rink to go to, a golf game to go to. What is it today, Dad? What are you doing today? Uh, my car's in the shop. That's the excitement of my day. Golf tomorrow, though. Which car? I guess your Cougar's in the garage. Yeah. Cars in the shop, so what, you're stuck at home or what? No, no, they gave me a courtesy car. But... <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Car, I guess. Oh, what are we going with, Dad? I might just buy the same thing. Yeah, nice. I like that car. By the way, I need to talk to you, and I'm going to put this out there right now. So people know that I currently don't, you know, drive. Um, I found out that I can just come home and pay a fine and get my license back. I just got to come home and do that and somehow round up the money to do it i'm just kidding i got it i got it figured out now i don't honestly it's been there's been times i'm going to say it openly for people to watch you've helped you've contributed to different things not in the way that you used to or was like hey dad i need 100 bucks you know and it's okay you know whatever here's your 100 bucks but i you know you've contributed to different things like my soundboard and um, multiple different things. I uh, just thank you for that. And uh, I'm really doing my best to not rely on you at all financially. So I hope that it's been a little bit better this past two years than it was prior. <laughs> Anything's an improvement from that, isn't it? Yeah, I have money in the bank now for a change. Not much, but some. Me, hey, me too but very little you guaranteed you have more than me, but guess what? We both got money in the bank and um, more than anything, dad, just thank you again. I love you lots and I need to get home or you need to get out here because it's been too long. I think the time is coming where, you know, I don't know, golf season's right around the corner out here and I'm right by Muskoka Bay. So let me know when you're coming out. I will. Okay. Thanks for being here, dad. I love you lots. Love you too. See you later. Bye. I'll be right back, guys, in one minute. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at mindframe on Twitter plus mindframefit on Instagram. All right, we're back. I reined it in. 
that commercial was not scheduled to air on this show today. We had to put it in there because I was welling up. What else is new? Thank you to, first off, I forgot to do it in the intro. I don't know how I forgot, but thank you because I got distracted. It happens. We make mistakes. Thank you to Coach Cal. Coach Cal, get the W. If you were here at the beginning of the show, you saw it. You probably see me post on social media. This little gem of a human being sent me this video last night. And I'll tell you, I got a lot of amazing messages. They all hit me in the heart. I love them all. It's pretty hard to top like a six-year-old motivational speaker, though, in Coach Cal. If you haven't seen it, I'll play it at the end of the show, but he opened the show for us tonight, two years clean, got the message from Coach Cal, has been on the Ellen Show, been NHL, Peterborough Pete's, incredible kid. Follow him on social media, Coach Cal, support his new merch line, get the W, and always get the W. You gotta work hard and play hard and always get the W. There's nobody better than Coach Cal. He is the guy. He is the guy. So thank you to Coach Cal. Thank you to four-time Stanley Cup champ, my big bro from another Mo, Darren McCarty. Thank you, of course, to my dad. Can't even say that word without getting emotional. It's just like, oh. Um, seriously, though, thank you. Um, and thank you to each and every one of you for watching today, for listening, anytime for supporting me in this past two years. So many times. I doubted myself and just thought, hey, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve people's support. You don't. And just now I'm starting to, to believe that I do. And I believe that we all do. We all do. And to tell you, it feels pretty good. But as I celebrate two years today, I remember all of those that have passed away before me not just hockey players. For the people that struggled and couldn't make it, that didn't make it. I do a lot of what I do in their memory, especially the angels behind me here at Puck Support. Guys like Matty Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, Daniel Miner, Ryan Donaldson. The list goes on. I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to feel hopeless. I know what it feels like to just want to give up and say goodbye. There was once a time in my life that it was such an uphill battle. There's nobody or not anything that could have happened that could have come into my life that would have made me believe otherwise. I sit here in front of you today. Maybe you're listening to me. Two years free from the grips of addiction. My life today is better than I could have ever imagined. I am no more stronger, no more smarter, 
to more anything than any one of you. If you're struggling, do not give up on yourself. If you have a loved one who is struggling, do not give up on them. I know it's hard. Sometimes we have to take a step back, but there's always ways that we can support. I am living proof that people can come back from the dead. I was dead. I was a walking zombie. My body was still here, but I was not. So many people counted me out. I'm fairly certain everybody had counted me out. And I had counted myself out too. I just got chills when I said that. Anyways, guys, that's it. Thank you for spending today with me whenever it is. Thank you for being there for me over the course of this past two years. There's people watching right now or listening that have been with this show since day one, almost two years ago. And like you heard my dad say, things have changed drastically in that time. It was very rough around the edges. It was hard to listen to. But you guys did. And you lifted me up. You lifted me up when I was broken. When I took a chance and I was vulnerable. I was weak. It was either go back to addiction or do what I did. I was out of options. And here I sit two years clean. And the only reason I did that is because I took a chance. And after I took that chance, all of you surrounded me with love and warmth and support in so many different ways and forms that I can't even, can't even think of them all. They've come in all different shapes and sizes and people coming from everywhere, contributing to, to my journey. And in turn, I get to contribute to theirs. And that's the most beautiful thing about all of this, guys. So thank you for watching. I can't get to all the comments. Before I go... One of our supporters, one of our good, good friends, Dean Smeal, also celebrating four years sober today. Top bunk stuff, Dino! Only he knows what that means, top bunk. Four years, buddy. Super proud of you. Love you, man. Shout out to my friend from childhood, Aaron Leckie, celebrating eight years sober today as well. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. There's 
five people I know celebrating their clean date today. And guess what? If you're struggling right now, you could put down the substance and make a change in your life right now. And you could join that team. You could join the February 8th team, maybe the February 9th team. But what are you waiting for? Addiction will take us to one of three places. And it took me way too long to understand this, even though people had told me and shown me for years and years. One of three places, jails, institutions, and death. Those are our three options. It may not happen overnight, but addiction will take you there. I'm here to tell that story. Make the decision, take your life back. You're stronger than you ever know. And there's more people out there that care, that love you, that want to lift you up and be a part of the solution moving forward. You don't have to do it on your own. Shout out Darren Bruff, September 11th, four years for him. Awesome stuff, Darren. Joseph Mackey says, I have no clue how I ended up on this podcast, but I'm glad I did get a new follower here. I'll follow you back too. Thanks for for coming by. I'm certainly glad you're here too. Oh, running out of time. I've overtime. I got stuff to say. I just looked at my list. Have to wait for the next podcast. It's all pertaining to the four-on-four pond hockey tournament. Rob Carlton and the crew putting on team puck support. We got some sick jerseys being made. We are all wearing. We are all wearing a jersey. I'm going to have a Mitch puck support overdose ribbon, mental health ribbon on the back. Fadden 13 playing for our angels. I'm playing for Mitch Fadden, Matthew Thompson. I never called him Matthew before, but Matt Thompson's playing for Matthew Lazinski. Lazinski 24 on the back. Zach Clark, Daniel Miner's best friend. He's going to have a minor 21 jersey on the back. Stuart Smith's going to have a Doug Don- or Ryan Donaldson jersey. And so on. And the whole Miner family's coming up. All the fans that we have, my family, other people's families, we're getting love shirts for them. And just so looking forward so looking forward to to bringing people together shout out to rob carlton on the pond four on four tournament team puck support playing for our angels you guys have no idea how much it means to me to be able to do this so if you're in and around muskoka at the end of february february 25th to 27th come out and support us Come out and support us. Come out and support On The Pond. I'm going to be doing a live podcast from there. I'm going to be speaking at the opening ceremonies maybe as well. Come check it out. February 25th to 27th, Muskoka, Ontario. Team Puck Support representing all those that we've lost. It's going to be an amazing weekend. It's going to be an amazing weekend. Can't wait. What's up, Brody? He's on the team. Can't wait for you to be a part of it too. Anyways, 
that's enough from me for today. I'm going to kick back the rest of the day. Probably not actually, because I just don't know how to do that. But thank you all. Thank you. Thank you to Cass, Troy, Lando, Susan Cook, and everybody that took the time to be a part of that meeting last night, whether you were there or you just sent a video. Thank you so much. Thank you. I gotta go before I start crying. Please like, subscribe, share this with your friends. Check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Even if you're watching the live video, if you can go to Spotify and give me a follow and, and everything, that would be awesome. That would be great. Um, if not, that's okay too. But yes, please like, subscribe, share. If you're on Facebook, please go to the YouTube channel, Hockey to Hell and Back YouTube channel. We're trying to get away from Facebook. We're trying to get away from Facebook. My nose is running because I'm going to cry. Love you all. Thank you for watching. Thank you to my dad. Thank you to Darren McCarty. We will see you guys likely on Thursday, if not next Tuesday, probably same time, 1 p.m. Until then, take care of each other. Please go do something to be kind today. Go be of service in any way that you can. Maybe you'd be surprised at just how good it makes you feel while making other people feel good too. Isn't that the win-win that we're all looking for? Be kind, be of service, and remember, have a great day if you so choose. I want the real stuff, everybody listen up Cause I'll only say it once, I'm gonna show you all the path If you want it bad, I'm gonna show you every side Yeah, how you can get it back, yeah, cause I ain't never done I'll be number one, working hella hard until I get just what I want Yeah, rise just like the sun, yeah, fatal like a gun Shooter's gonna shoot and I'm gonna shoot until I fall I'm always do it alone, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow, till I finally prove it Never listen to the no's, I just wanna keep moving Yeah, I put out all this art, it's my only medicine Yeah, everything I do, I'm just being genuine yeah, I'm sick of being screwed, feel my own adrenaline Yeah, I do just what I do, and I hope you let me in, let me in, yeah I'm grateful, oh yeah, able, oh yeah I'm stable, oh yeah, no label, oh yeah You know me, I have only I'm lonely, but damn, I'm going to win.